0: Ancient Egyptian Egyptians knew how to partee! It's the rise of the machines and they are coming for your beer. What is the true American beer? This is It's All Beer. Welcome to It's All Beer, the only podcast where we will pontificate at length about things like hop profiles, yeast profiles, and whether or not a certain style of beer is really American or not. I'm Jeremy Jones
1: i'm tyler zimmerman how are you doing this week i'm doing excellent i am drinking actually one of my favorite beers so it's taking me on a nice little stroll down memory lane i you know
0: what i i uh uh, i'm proud to say i have not gotten into a fight with uh with uh any major beer personalities this uh this week so woo! i'm proud of you jeremy so um yeah i'm uh I'm 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 I've grown. I'm grown as a person, and I'm uh I'm enjoying uh, uh, something from uh, Blackberry Farms Brewing out of uh, Tennessee. Oh, um, nice! It's their uh, mountain lager, their Vienna lager. Uh, it's a beautiful beer. It has this like nice like caramely, malty, light strawberry aroma. Ooh, and like the flavor profile is the same with just a hint of like that. That herbaly bitterness—it's uh, super drinkable. I mean, this is like Vienna malt when it's done right has that like that carboly like light fruity strawberry flavor, and this like nails it. Uh, nice, simple beer, but it's
1: it's beautiful. a well done Vienna lager. I feel is so simple that it's complex and excellent. Pretty much, yeah.
0: I mean, it is it's like it's one of those german styles that is like uh uh like if you if first of all your your first uh thing if you can't drink it by the yard you've done it wrong true i mean and i could absolutely drink you know a gallon of this stuff and i would say feel nothing but i'd feel the floor um but you wouldn't feel it jeremy you'd be (laughs) on it but you wouldn't feel it Um, But, you know, it is that drinkable. At the same time, nicely complex, so. Nice. Well, I am
1: drinking uh, one of, like, not the barrel-aged beer that got me into barrel-aged beers, but one of, like, my first deep dives into barrel-aged beer. Uh, It's the Barrel-Aged Narwhal from Sierra Nevada. Uh, 11.9%. Just very rich, good bourbon notes. It's... I, mine's still a little cold, so I want to see how it progresses as it warms up just a bit. But I was so excited when I actually saw it in cans again, because it used to be a 750 milliliter bottle, which was a little much to do on one serving if you're trying to do stuff. But a 16-ounce can, fantastic. It just brought back like all the feels of early pioneering of me into craft beer. So... Uh, and one and even more delving
0: into the uh, uh, into Tyler's uh, uh, origin story when it comes to craft beer, there's a there's a lot going on between the Keystone Light and the well educated man you see before you today, or here. I be. mean,
1: I I drink both of them in the same sitting. So <laughs> you would, wouldn't you? Yeah, <laughs> a modern
0: renaissance man. If. if like the renaissance man was painting the mona lisa in a fucking trailer park
1: i was gonna say painting the mona lisa but it was really just girls gone wild at spring break so <laughs> the mona
0: lisa except for she's flashing her tits yes <laughs> tyler now that you've uh, we've already debased ourselves what are we getting with uh well we're taking a trip over to egypt We're not allowed to do that. It's the COVID times. You're not allowed to do that. I don't think of the best of times, but it's the COVID (laughs) times now.
1: Well, archaeologists have made a discovery that would make an Egyptian Tyler happy as all could be. (laughs) So they found a 5,000-year-old brewery uh, that was a massive production brewery over by the egyptian city of abydos uh correct okay i was like dude i'm probably gonna butcher that <laughs> <laughs> close um, enough which i think was one of like their big burial sites as well
0: well it's... i mean uh... I'm a nerd, so I know a little bit of I know a little bit about this, just enough to get myself into trouble with someone who actually knows about this. Uh, but uh, yeah, the uh, uh, Abydos is uh, not far from the Valley of the Kings, um, which is where okay. um, which is where uh, um, we, we, you're, you get most of your major burials. Although interesting, this thing dates back. Um, I forget which king it mentioned. It uh, dated King around. Narmer. King Armor, which would actually predate the pyramids. Fun fact. Yep.
1: Uh and it was dated around thirty one hundred BC. Uh the Egyptian government said in their statement. Um what I kind of nerded out with is they kind of broke down what they found with the brewery. So it had a production capacity of twenty-two thousand four hundred liters. Um as well those were split into eight sections, each containing 40 clay pots used to warm mixtures of grain and water. Um, which, I know what everyone's thinking. Tw- 22,000 liters? What's that in freedom units? Well, don't worry. I got you.
0: <laughs> well, here's the more interesting thing. Even the Egyptians were smart enough to use, use act- the, the metric system. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, that equates to... gallons. Now, I know what you're thinking. Well, what would that be comparable? Because while I was taking a poop reading this, I thought, what would that be comparable to a production brewery of today? (laughs) So their total capacity was 190.88 barrels of beer. So about 191 barrels of beer. Now, I don't know, because the article really didn't specify, if that was, if all the pots were filled, that's what they could produce. So if they were turning and burning, they'd have a higher production. Um, and I,
0: then... If I'm, if I'm guessing, I mean, as near as they could, as you could probably say, they had the capacity to brew a hundred some barrels at a go, which would mean, yeah, if you, if you had them all filled. I, I'm guessing. I don't think but, they were I don't think they were looking at this like how much could they produce. It's
1: what's crazy though is it said it was eight sections, each section contained 40 clay pots. So each clay pot was only about 0. 0.59 barrels. So they're making a half so, barrel out of go. Yep, I was going to say they were making just a little we'll a little bit above half. a half barrel. So probably 16 gallon pots.
0: Well, and the, and the interesting, thing, interesting thing is, given its location and, um, and some other evidence, most of this beer was used in funerary rites, not so much for uh, uh, human consumption.
1: Yep, I was going to say. It was put in two tombs, so they had something to drink in the afterlife, which now I'm like, they need to keep digging. Can they find one of these vessels that has the beer and do kind of like what Dogfish Head did with the Midas Touch, and run testing on it to determine what it was made out of, and see if someone can recreate it.
0: Well, so now I feel like Dogfish Head did that experiment because they did have the King Tut beer, um, and I've actually and I actually looked into at some point in time what it would you know, what you would have to do to make ancient Egyptian beer. One of the problems is is that the um that the barley and wheat that they would have used don't exist anymore. Ah. Um, so uh, right from the get go, um, you're in a little bit of a in a conundrum. Loop, yeah, because you by, even by using modern ingredients, you're not really uh, rep, uh, replicating what they are what they were doing. Um, but um, and it's also a um and. <sighs> And the other thing is that, of course, there's no hops. You'd use things like dates and honey and mm-hmm. um, other spices to give it a little extra flavor. It'd be a, it'd be lighter in alcohol, but I mean, it'd be essentially, like bake a bread, right? Yeah. And then crumble that bread into your wort um, and let it ferment. And then you'd actually drink it, you know, mid fermentation. You wouldn't wait for it to, uh, to finish fermenting
1: because then you don't want any. Microorganisms growing, you know? right?
0: So you would, so it would be a very sweet drink that you would, you know, uh, uh, drink mid fermentation. So now that's not what Dogfish had. I didn't actually get the. Uh, I think, I think it was called the King Tut, um, but uh, uh, I don't the,
1: think it was King Tut's. I think it was somewhere else. Well, no, that's what
0: the that's what Dogfish's uh, version of uh, an ancient Egyptian beer was
1: called. I think. No, so Midas Touch, uh, they got. They found like an Touch, old, co- but they also did which a- came from an right. older container.
0: But they also did an Egyptian beer. Just okay, and so, but I'm less familiar. It it, it didn't uh, it didn't reach the uh, the uh, it, like Midas Touch is still in production. You can still get Midas Touch. I think the uh, mm-hmm. I'm still say I might be wrong. I think it was King Tut. Um, I think they only did a run of that and called it a day.
1: Yeah, um. Which, I mean, I wouldn't expect, like, if a brewer if they were to figure something out, a brewery to do a huge batch of it. But it may be something kind of fun if they can figure that out. Uh, uh, according to the articles uh, that Erica tagged us in, uh, officials are keen Thank to you, show Erica. off. Thank you, Erica. We love you. <laughs> uh, they are keen to show off the new discovery. Um, they are trying to revamp Egypt's tourist in- industry. <laughs> that was... <laughs> The funny thing was, is
0: I saw this being shared on, like, by multiple writers, uh, beer writers, beer people. Um, I saw it popped up all over Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, all those places, but from a variety of different sources, but each one ended with, they're really trying to drum up tourism. So they're basically like, listen, they were brewing beer. That means there's still beer. Come come to Egypt. We promise there's beer.
1: They liked beer, you liked beer, just come drink some beer. (laughs) Um, But, no, I think that'd be, if they could unearth a little bit more, it would be something that's kind of cool, just to go see what they were using. Uh, The article has a few pictures that kind of show the vats, um, and very rudimentary, kind of as expected, almost reminded me of kind of some of the vats you'd see in like some of the older wineries kind of those clay mm-hmm. so
0: those like yeah cl- cl- although they were amphoras but I mean yeah they were that they were um, yeah, those kind of pot shard vessels um, mm-hmm. but yeah super super interesting
1: so well if you're on your way over to Egypt maybe kind of cool to go check out if you are I mean <laughs> <laughs> I Just mean, make a quick pit stop. <laughs> there's
0: there's also these like pyramids there. There's like uh
1: but they don't have beer.
0: <laughs> you don't know that. We really haven't explored them to their fullest extent. And if you bring beer, then there is beer. True. <laughs> That's like a rule for all things. If you bring beer, then there is beer. Yeah. You want a movie the-
1: You want to have a beer while sitting in a movie theater? Bring a six pack.
0: You want to you want to uh, uh, have a beer while desecrating an ancient Egyptian tomb? Bring a six pack.
1: <laughs> you want to end up in a Cairo prison? Bring a six pack.
0: There you go. I think they may take it from you, but if you maybe offer of the the guards there are a couple, then you'll be fine. Don't go <laughs> desecrating any ancient ancient Egyptian tombs. Uh, uh, that's a, that's an official. It's all beer statement.
1: Someone's just riding a half-barrel keg down down the pyramid with a beer. That'd be you. That S- you... Screaming Freebird with the American flag.
0: That would be you. That's what you would do. <laughs> yeah. Well, what we got next, Jeremy? The machines will ruin craft beer news now. Dun-dun-dun! Um, <laughs> Seriously, once I read this story, I had this really weird, like, dystopian... Maybe utopian, I don't know, depending on your degree of alcoholism at this point, but I have this weird <laughs> thought. Okay, follow me here. You're sitting at this tap room, right? It's one of those massive fuck tap rooms with like 50 to 100 taps, right? Uh, the beer nip menu... Where you're just
1: sitting there going... There's no way they move enough bo- volume where this beer is not going out of date on their fucking lines.
0: I mean, like said, so they're going. The, yeah, the beer menu is completely unwieldy. Yeah, you know, it's the kind of place where you like take one look at the beer menu, you're like, "Fuck, I need a beer just to get through this beer menu." <laughs> mm-hmm. you're just, you're just like, or just bring me something. I don't know. I I need to sit here and drink uh, something while I figure out what I actually want to drink. Right? You know that type of place. Yes. Okay. So you drink your beer, you find the beer you want to drink, right? And you drink that beer, and as you set your... While you're looking for the next beer. And as you set your empty glass on the bar, a little holographic screen appears in front of your face that says, basically, since you enjoyed that beer, we thought you might enjoy this line of beer. You know, like Netflix, except for... uh, You know, except for... uh, uh, except for with beer obviously and you know you should Mm -hmm. turn it the fuck off and go the fuck to bed but instead before you can do anything it just pours you the beer the next beer on the line
1: it's like starting this beer in five four three and you're like fuck it all right
0: now you've got a beer shame to waste it so you stay there you drink basically this is how you end up on a week long bender courtesy of artificial intelligence all right. <laughs> See, I got to say dystopian, maybe utopian, depending on your outlook This this. Um, well, let me, I'm proud to say the future of raging alcoholism is here, people. This article comes from craftbeerbrewingbusiness.com. One thing, hold on. Yeah.
1: Uh, so my whole thing where this could pose a huge problem, and I want to bring this up before the article, because because i haven't read the article let's see if it answers this is how do you tackle the dilemma of the wide variety
0: of taste that's it that's a damn good question and it sort of addresses that but i Sort of doesn't. I mean, so anyway, this article comes from craftbeerbusiness.com, written by Chris uh, Crowell. A Belgian company, because of course we knew the fucking Belgians would eventually ruin beer as we know it. Um, a Belgian company developed... S- They're getting back at us
1: for IPAs, okay?
0: <laughs> and then Belgianizing them. <laughs> this is their revenge for the Belgian IPA. Um, <laughs> um, they a, Bel- a Belgian company developed... Esther, um it's basically it's an ai program that basically does to flavor and specifically for beer and wine what pandora and spotify have done for music or netflix and hulu have done for television or facebook has done for your entire fuck existence um, basically what it does is it classifies a beer or wine based on over 250 chemical flavor compounds as well as packaging and gentle general sensitivity Uh, sensory qualities as determined by its specialized panel Um, that data is then put together with the idea of being able to provide consumers with information as to what kind of beer or wine they might like based on what wines or beers they have enjoyed in the past um now they are very light on details on what this would actually look like in fact i mean my fuck weird imagination scenario notwithstanding um but the idea is that you could, like, create flavor profiles for certain customers, um, which kind of sucks because that's basically the last marketable skill I have left. Uh, it's bas- <laughs> I mean, it's basically like being able to know customers who are like, ah, I, you, you've had this, this. Okay, I bet you'll like this.
1: You should like this, yeah.
0: <laughs> it's, seriously, it's a big part of building rapport with customers and... Having that replaced by machines, fuck you, um, <laughs> Jeremy. You are the blockbuster employee. If this takes off, essentially, yes. Um, but um, I mean, the, but what it's basing the answer to your question is um, it's basing that on the chemical signatures, and okay. I don't know if I have the answer to. Like, um, I mean, I would I would be tempted to say, yeah, if you you know, like these chemical signatures and these varying amounts um, in this beer, and then, you know, this one has similar, you know, those similar compounds over here,
1: you're going to find them... uh, You should. Similar, yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, because the hardest part is it's got to build that baseline because once it builds the baseline of... The flavors of the beers and just trying to keep that updated with how many fucking beers come out would be mind boggling. But once you built that baseline, essentially the same AI that helped put Blockbuster out of business with Netflix, uh, with their recommendations, would do the same thing because it will, the first couple of years of it, it's going to be like, eh, yeah. I don't really care for that. And you're going to have those hit and miss, but it's always learning. And so it'll start to develop that. And then it'll be fucking spot on.
0: And then, then my job is replaced by someone with big boobs who pushes a button on a computer.
1: But the hard part is, I don't know if getting that baseline is something that can be done.
0: I mean, that's, a. I mean, that you, you point out an interesting question because unlike, um, you know, unlike a lot of uh, sensory experiences, um, especially in English, we don't have a lot of good words for flavor. And uh, I mean, unless you have sensory training, uh, most your average person, it has a harder time pinpointing what they like about a beer, what they don't like about a beer other than this one was kind of good. This one I didn't like. And you kind of ask some people, well, why didn't you like it? Just out of curiosity. And I, I I don't know. It was like too bitter or something.
1: It was was a milk stout. (laughs) One problem I also have with this is perceptions. It won't be able to take into account with that. And it'll also get rid of that the cell of someone like you who is really interested in one beer and is like, Hey, you should try this. And they're like, no, I'm not a fan of that style. Well here, try it. You should give it a couple sips and you get that out of the blue where you just get them to try that one out of the blue thing just for shits and giggles. And they are like, this is the best thing ever. And then you just converted like a diehard sour drinker out of someone who would never drink anything lighter than a stout.
0: This is true. I mean, you can uh, sometimes you have that rapport and you can like sit there and like find that weird connection uh, between two styles that uh, that uh, um, you know, you're like, all right, listen, you all, all you like is IPAs, but I'll bet you if you try this, you'll you'll dig it mm-hmm. um, or you-
1: they ask you, what have you been enjoying? And you're like, oh, this and it's a style they would have never done. And you're like, here, give it a sample.
0: And also, what also, I think it, it it's going to have trouble with is people like me who generally enjoy basically any style of beer um, to a certain extent as long as it's well-made. So, I mean, it's going to be – I don't you – know, like, what should I have next, uh, artificial intelligence? And it's going to go, I, I, I don't know, a beer?
1: Uh, yes. The ho- Brilliant. <laughs> the other thing I could see happening with this is if it – because if it's based off chemical signatures – It recommending basically a beer that's going to taste super identical from another brewery. Right. So if you liked the oatmeal stout from Fremont, it's going to be like, hey, try this oatmeal stout or try this porter that basically has the same exact chemical makeup as that oatmeal stout. It's going to taste basically the same beer.
0: You're Like yeah, that's exactly like the beer I I, I did enjoy. Well done, well done. Uh, can we try something different next time? I mean, you're you're not you're I, not far off. Ex- y- yeah. Um, but, um, uh, well, but I'd also, I mean, if you're, it, it would also, if you're if you're programming this, you would want to, uh you'd want it to like you you want to expand people's uh um uh. You know, their taste a little bit. So I feel like you would kind of like, I feel like Netflix and, and, uh, or Spotify does. They'll throw some random thing into the mix going, Hey, what do you think about that? And you're like, Actually, that's pretty cool. You're like, All right, fine. When you got a whole new thing to, thing to, uh, 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 explore. I'm, this, this AI shit, it, it's, you know, it's smarter than we are.
1: That's yeah. Though, the one big difference, though, for like, Compared to beer or Netflix. If Netflix recommends a show or like the other day I was listening to my Pandora and listening to like some of the Red Dirt Country I like and all of a sudden a rap song came on in that playlist, I was like, what the fuck?
0: But it's probably not like doesn't go directly to rap, it'll like... It'll—I don't know what the fuck red dirt country. Is. You'll have to explain that to me someday. But it it's like, like
1: actual country music.
0: But it takes you from red dirt country to like outlaw country to like you know like moderately pop country, then cowboy, Troy, and next thing you know, gangster rap. Um,
1: <laughs> but the big difference that I'm saying here is with one of those services, you're paying for a monthly service. So if you don't like that recommendation, you just skip it and go to the next. But when you're paying for something by the item and it hands you, it draws out the first suggestion, let's say, hey, you need to try this beer. And someone goes, yeah, you haven't steered me wrong. And then it's a beer they absolutely hate. And let's say they're paying $7 for a pint. That person's going to be more upset than getting recommended a TV show. They go, nope, boring, skip.
0: Yeah, but, I mean, come on. You, we, we've been in the industry long enough that we've been recommended a $7 pint that we then take one sip of and go, really? Really? Now we have a oh. go back there. Or probably but... like, you or, you or you sit there and go, you know what? Mental note, not that person anymore. <laughs> yes. Yes.
1: But, but that's so, I mean, also that the human element.
0: That might it's be It's the point. human element.
1: Yeah.
0: But anyway. But hey, after all this, if you do want on the ground floor of this brave new world, Esther is actually offering a special introductory rate for the first 250 beer or wine brands that sign up. So you can go to esther.ai, sign up for a 30 minute demo meeting, which I actually did sign up for, but missed this morning because I have an infant who was um, very upset. And by the time I like got him settled down and got to my computer, I was five minutes late and they had already sent me a, Hey, can we reschedule you? I don't know what's on the other end of that 30 minute meeting with a quote flavor intelligence specialist. I'm guessing it's probably they just show you a video or some shit, but <laughs> I, uh, I miss my window. So, um, I mean, I guess what I'm saying that, uh, uh, if, if anybody listening to this, uh, has 30 minutes, uh, and wants to go to that website, cause there's literally no requirements. I put in my name, um, uh, an email address and a time that I could do it. And then they, you know, did the, did everything else. They didn't even ask if I had anything to do with beer at all. Um, So if you feel like seeing what the fuck this is, you can put your information in. And um, I don't know. I feel like there's an even chance that someone's going to try to sell you a timeshare or something. But um...
1: speaking of that, I just watched the timeshare episode of South Park the other day. (laughs) So it's just going to be an endless loop that you can't exit out of. So Jeremy just screwed all of you. (laughs) That being said,
0: though, according to this article, Sierra Nevada, Deschutes, Boston Beer Company uh, are all repeat, reportedly involved in this project, according to uh, Craftbrewingbusiness.com. So, um, I guess I'm gonna say if anyone in our sphere of influence wants to sign up for this, get some more information. Let me know because I'm kind of curious, uh, um, and hey, I'll maybe even bri- bribe you with a beer if you will uh, see what kind of Doctor Moreau bullshit this is. Again, I'm kind of curious as to what, what, where, I mean, what I, what I'm, what I don't understand is, all right, if you put this thing together, how does it, you then, I mean, you don't have a platform like Netflix, so how do they unleash this upon the world is, I guess, is where I'm a little bit curious.
1: That's probably where they get you, you have to buy that software for your point of, point of sale and. But
0: that's, I mean, if you are, for example, a tap room like Sierra Nevada or, you know, Fricky's, uh Craft Beer Emporium, and you just have your own beers on draft, you have three IPAs, a Porter, a Blonde, you know, your normal American craft beer lineup, I don't see how that helps
1: you. I think if to get started, they'll have to get the suppliers on board. So get the Sierra Nevada, the Deschutes, and basically... They'll be like, hey, send us a can or a bottle of each of your offerings.
0: I guess I could see it, like, working, like, untapped, but almost in reverse. Like, you, like, you you go, hey, where should I go to get a beer? And it said, you like this beer, this beer, this beer. You should try this beer. It's on draft at such and such a place, you know, and and go from there.
1: Or, or it. how I would see it is on the – POS side of let's say Sierra Nevada. Sierra Nevada has set up all their beers in this system. It's tied into their point of sale. And so as they start a tab and go, oh, so the first beer, they'll still have to be a person to get them to get a beer. Once that beer has been put in this point of sale, when you pull up that tab will be like, did they like this beer? Yes or no. And then, you could it'll almost be a flow chart to say recommend this beer
0: pretty much i mean again the the actual implications i'm a little bit curious about and actually you know what i mean more than beer wine makes more sense because you delve into that um that (laughs) styles styles, say infinity pool that is uh you know wine um i could see it being more useful but anyway um uh again if you if you have time go check it out uh this has been it's all speculation where we uh we read a story and and wonder what they're actually doing tyler <laughs> what do you have next for us
1: are you ready for the bitch of the year award um did you did you win it are you the winner no oh uh so this is an article by the daily mail out of the uk uh Titled "Power Drunk LA Health Inspector is Caught on Camera Clapping Her Hands and Dancing After Incorrectly Shutting Down a Brewery on Super Bowl su- Sunday for Violating COVID Guidelines." You don't know.
0: Maybe they, they 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 just had the Macarena just suddenly pop up on their uh, on their speakers, and you know that's impossible not to dance to. Hey, uh, hey no. Macarena. <laughs> so let's set the stage here if you get if you get that song i'm sorry you are also old i remember the macarena then you're also Uh, old tyler (laughs) so i
1: see gray uh, hair in your beard i know it's getting bad Uh, fuck you jeremy (laughs) so uh la county health inspector uh is caught on video dancing on super bowl sunday after she told an employee they had to close their doors that day because they were violating the COVID guidelines because there was no food truck there. Um, So she shut down Bravery Brewery. Uh, The owner uh, told Fox News, apparently, uh, that the inspector came to the establishment around 11 a.m. on February 7th. Told the employee that they were in violation of the county guidelines because there was no food truck, and they had to close. Uh, right after she does this, she starts dancing out in the middle of the open area, and she was wrong.
0: Um, I mean, I, not. I feel like the uh, the uh, the uh, the sports metaphor is appropriate, but an obvious rookie mistake when you begin your victory dance before the whistle.
1: Well, no, they actually had to shut down and then the health inspector allowed them to reopen later because they real her bosses called the owners and apologized for having her shutting them down when she was incorrect and they were not in violation.
0: And also for the impromptu dance party she uh, did right in the middle of their...
1: Uh... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> The article did say it was unclear if a song was playing while she was dancing Again, um, there's there, I do have that question
0: because I don't see like I don't see anybody in the brewery like hanging around so it's not like she they're like she's like dancing in front of anybody I can't help but wonder if this was just a person with horrible situational awareness that informed people that uh, that that we have to shut down your brewery was walking back to her car there's some music playing and got cut up in the moment <laughs>
1: but the owner bar Avery said he has no idea why she felt compelled to dance. Uh, he, and he said, uh, you know, the perception really sucks because his business has been decimated financially. Uh, he had to shut down on a day where he could have had a lot of to go business. Um, and the fact that just made it all worse, uh, was the fact that she was incorrect because they were pouring beer to go. They didn't need a food truck to be operating.
0: I mean, yes, fair enough, but there's, I mean, there's also the great mystery. What the f- what happened right there i don't I mean, know the only reason the only reason this becomes a thing we're talking about that hits the daily fuck mail which you know uh uk's version of uh of the national fucking inquirer, um let's let's be honest um it's, <laughs> it's, it's because just, she danced it's just this like bizarre like i'm gonna dance about it I'm like again
1: i'm like <laughs> if your life is really that miserable And fucking lonely that you have to celebrate shutting down a small business for trying to do what they can and follow the rules to survive. You are a fucking cunt.
0: Some people play tennis. Others erode the human soul. (laughs) We're just different. We're just different, Tyler.
1: (laughs) Apparently so. (laughs) What else Uh. you got for us? Well, if you live in California and you're a Firestone Locker fan, do I have a deal for you? I
0: don't, and I'll, 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 I'll give them a sip. I, I like I, I like them
1: well enough. <laughs> well, they are now offering a limited membership. So uh, the first 1,000 California residents to sign up and pay for the membership will get some actually pretty cool features from, I was looking at their website. Um, it is $600 plus tax to be a member for the 2021 year. You'll receive eight curated collections spanning 27 individual small batch beers. So you'll receive eight shipments of a couple beers each shipment, totaling 27 beers. Um, uh, including 14 member-only beers that no one else can get. Uh, You'll get some glassware chosen by uh, someone from Firestone, as well as um, you'll get some online tastings with their Barrel Works Master Blender and Barrel Program Manager. Um, You'll get a 15% discount on Firestone Walker beer merchandise purchases, Early access to online beer releases, priority access to cellared library beers, a 10% savings on dine-in and takeout at their tap rooms, um, and opportunities to reorder their favorite Brewmasters Collective exclusives. Uh, so when you sign up, you receive a welcome box that comes with a stainless steel membership card, uh, custom playing cards, two leather coasters, and dark gray... Uh, A Brewmasters Collective exclusive barrel-aged blend with premium vanilla, cacao nibs, and toasted coconut.
0: I think uh, uh, you lost most of the beer geeks right around the time you said uh, 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 special releases that nobody else could get because that's when they started shuddering in beergasm. And then I think everything else is just kind of like, maybe it's just me. I mean, when when you said that, I, I started like, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I blacked out for a second there. I'm not gonna lie to you. Um,
1: the welcome box is also gonna I- I mean, include it's... two new variants for parabola: the oh, double barrel.
0: There, there it is again. Okay. Okay. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh. Oh.
1: <laughs> the double barrel parabola and the amber amberana parabola, uh, and it'll also include two Sarin glasses, which not quite sure what that is, but.
0: sorry i'm still in the middle of like yeah stave me stave me hard oh i've been a naughty boy
1: if you want to know what the dark ray is the first brewmasters exclusive beer it is they took selected barrels of one year age parabola and two year age velvet merkin um blended those uh beers and then mixed with the additional adjuncts of the cocoa nibs, the vanilla beans and the coconut.
0: And what uh does this uh box oh heaven cost?
1: So the whole year's membership, so everything I said and like I said you get 27 beers out of this over the course of the year. 14 are exclusive, only place to get it is by being a member is $600 for the year.
0: You know, that's actually not not as bad as I thought it would. Uh, is it, I thought it would be because I'm like going. I, I could afford that. I could. I mean, if listen, if I had fa- if I had family that loved me, pool your resources and get me that. It, but the one kept because bo- I was like it would cover both Christmas and my birthday.
1: I was like, do I try to split it with a buddy? No, like, and then I was like, oh, you have to be a resident of California.
0: <laughs> you were already like, I got six hundred bucks. I got six hundred bucks. We could go
1: in together. We could. I'm like two of us, three hundred bucks. We split all the beers, try them together. It's not bad. At six hundred bucks though, fuck them. I mean,
0: tag up, a, tag on another hundred bucks for shipping. How bad can it possibly fuck me?
1: Uh, I think because their licensing doesn't allow them to ship out of state. Would they're be my Firestone
0: guess. Walker. They're fine. They old all... look. If any cop comes to you, hey, are you guys shipping beer out of state? No, here, have one of our barrel-aged things, and they go away.
1: Unless they go, we only like
0: Bud Light. In which case...
1: Ew.
0: <laughs> well, but in, I d- in which case you're a terrible human being, and uh, uh, you shouldn't be a cop.
1: I did find it cool that they actually get to have online tastings uh with some of the brewers you know the blenders where they actually go through some of those beers and describe the tasting notes on that and actually give you a little more information
0: i did a uh i was uh, I, I sat in on a uh on a sour tasting with uh, um one of the uh uh, uh One of their uh, 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 barrel-age, like, masters one time here in town, and... That was down at
1: Bitter Creek, right? Yeah, that's the one. I was gonna go to that one, but I had a fucking, like, tap takeover I had to do that night.
0: Well, that'll teach you for having a job that will, uh, that uh, uh, requires you to be elsewhere. I was there, and it was awesome.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But... So I guess what I'm saying, if you live in California, you got 600 bucks to burn because you haven't spent that stimulus check.
0: There you go. Fire away. going to go ahead and open the other beer I have because I kind of saved it for this story. Um, this is uh, uh, from Shades Brewing. This is their Thai Tom Kai. Um, it is uh, one of their – it's their uh, uh, American-style sour ale with coconut, lemongrass uh, – Galen kefir leaf, and lactose. Uh, basically uh, uh, made to taste like a slightly sour version of a Thai Tom Kai soup. It's part of their cake uh, series. Um, and that's actually what we're talking about here. If you're a home brewer or an intense follower of craft beer, and especially if you're into the nitty-gritty details of brewing, such as the strains of hops, the different processes, um, and... Um, yeah, that kind of thing. Over the past two years ago, you've heard the word fake, or it's probably been uttered in your vicinity. Um, mm-hmm. It's become the latest craze in home brewing, um, as well as a new avenue of experimentation for craft breweries. In fact, um, it was an article in Beer and Brewing just shy of two years ago that actually brought this unique strain, or really it's a series of strains, uh, to the forefront of the American craft beer scene so um and actually they picked up on it from a um a beer blogger who uh lives in norway who was who suddenly got a a wild hair up his norwegian ass and decided to like let the world know about like this uh slowly fading tradition of um of uh, farmhouse beers um in his native land and it he started talking about this strain of yeast and it really got a lot of people interested. So after we've let the the American monkeys bang at this street strain of yeast with a hammer for a couple of years now, what, if anything, have we learned? Um, Beer and Brewing just did a follow-up article this week. It was written by Joe Strange and it talks about potentially what we've learned over two years uh, on screwing around with this, uh, this strain of yeast. Um, and actually, let's start with how to pronounce it because um, I've heard it all over the board. Um, um, I've always called it Kevik, so I started with uh, Kevek. Um I've also, and that's, but I start with Kevik because I'm like looking at the word, like that looks like how it, uh, uh, that looks like how it sounds out. I've also heard Kevik. Good word as
1: any. <laughs> I've
0: also heard Kavike, which you know that makes sense. Sure, why not? Um, Kiviek. Someone said that to me. Um, Basically, if you come into my shop and you mention a yeast and you sound like you're vaguely trying to hawk up something in your throat, (laughs) I'm not going to assume you're looking for this yeast. Um, But, according to this article, the closest that an American can probably get to pronounce this word is to pronounce the word quake, but with a V. So... Imagine, like, you're trying to do this really obnoxiously bad German impression, right? <laughs> um, like, so, yes, I went to the star and the, the, the ground started shaking, and I realized it was an Earth fake. Yeah, fake. 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 <laughs> That's apparently it's how a Fake. It, fake, yeah. <laughs> That's... Apparently, as close as we are, our, our Anglicanized mouths can get to pronouncing this word. So, I'm
1: baking in my boots.
0: <laughs> so, uh, and, and essentially in Norwegian, just means yeast. So, um, uh, it you go to Norway and want you know, quake yeast, so you're just gonna go, it's what you want bread yeast do you want that what do you what what do you want get out of my house you dumb american what are you doing here anyway um why are you also looking for yeast in just random houses what's wrong with you (laughs) 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 um and second it's not like a it's it's not a style of beer so much although it did evolve out of norwegian uh farmhouse tradition um and thus did evolve out of like a few styles um and it's also not a particularly yeast, but it's also, but it's like a large category of yeast, like say Belgian yeasts, you know, where there are many different strains, but or like Brett, yeah, exactly, where there are many different strains, but the family shares some similar tra- tra- traits, and fake is uh, has uh, some very specific traits that are especially prized by home brewers and craft brewers. All right. First off, they ferment at a huge temperature range. Um, some performing mm-hmm. extremely well at temperatures of 100 degrees Fahrenheit or higher. And now, even if you're not familiar, suck with- on
1: that saison.
0: <laughs> <laughs> even if you're not particular familiar with the like the the particulars of uh, beer brewing, you might say 100 degrees. That's that's kind of fucking hot, right? And the answer is yeah. That's extremely fucking hot to ferment beer. Um, most of your ale yeasts top out at about seventy before they start doing some awful things. Before they shit in your beer. Mm-hmm. But, um, kavake
1: does doesn't. But Saison's, Why I made the joke is Saison's used to like that higher temperature, while still producing a very nice flavor.
0: But they, I mean, they still throw out a lot of um, a lot of like esters, fruity esters. Yeah. Which are actually what make saisons, you know, uh, unique good. and very good. Um, uh, Kavek will um, will ferment clean at some of those temperatures. They'll throw out some like mm-hmm. fruit, like lemony citrus, mm-hmm. tropical fruit, depending that on that pair story. well
1: with hops,
0: exactly. Actually. Um, and so it it became very popular for home brewers who don't have temperature control, and and frankly. Even craft brewers who have questionable temperature control, you know, to be honest. Um, or just
1: wanted to ferment hot so it ferments
0: faster. Um, and also, unlike... Um, like I said, we uh, they can ferment that high and the, and the results are very clean. And they work quick. Sometimes finishing in less than 48 hours.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, Which, for those of you who don't know, uh, most of the time... It takes a little longer than that, depending on the style. Uh, So, the higher the temperature that the beer ferments at, the quicker it ferments. That's why lagers take longer, ales take a shorter amount of time, and then saisons and beers that can ferment higher take even less than your standard ale.
0: But, even, but Kvak will even um, ferment that quick, even because you can ferment it. At normal ale temperatures and it will still ferment that quick that's the interesting thing about it oh really so it does not necessarily need 100 degrees to ferment out in 48 hours it will do it even at normal ale temperatures so oh nice um that's one of the attractive things about it also they are they are not diastatic which means unlike saison yeasts um or like the high alcohol yeast from white labs um, once they're done eating all the sugars, they're not going to go searching for dextrins or unfermentable sugars to eat and then turn your beer into a fusel bomb.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so, so it's not champagne yeast. <laughs> so it's not champagne yeast. No, I mean, there, it, it, uh, definitely had that uh, happen where I made a big. I was going for a big beer and like, um, I mentioned white labs, uh, high alcohol specifically. Cause I did that one time. Um, Pitch that yeast going, well, hey, it'll handle the alcohol, and it did. Um, it, uh, and got <laughs> it got more. It got more. And I'm like, whoa, I didn't think it was supposed to hit that high. And then I drank it. I'm like, ooh, uh, some of those, that tastes a bit like nail polish. Um, You're like, <laughs> yep. Um, but, it's like uh, that mead you made. Yes, that's a good example. I still have one bottle of that left. So, all right, really really quick side sidebar. My very first mead um fermented it like 20% um and I took it to a bottle share one time um where everybody was like on the edge. I passed that around and that's when all hell broke loose. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh that was a learning experience. Um anyway, <laughs> um but not all <laughs> But speaking of high out, the high octane, um, some of these st- strains can tolerate ABVs at fifteen percent or above. Damn, so, I mean, so it's no wonder that people like immediately uh, uh, gravitated towards this because not only is this, he's extremely versatile and extremely forgiving. Um, it's like a first car. You can beat it up, drive it without oil, tie the carburetor down with a fucking clothesline, and it will chug along without any problems. <laughs> <laughs> you can use and abuse this yeast and it will still produce good beer, which means, yeah. I mean, besides the far- the Norwegian farmhouse styles, you can brew pretty much any style of beer you want with this. And that's led some very wide and very varied fermentation experiments. Um, at Chicago's burnt city brewing. Uh, they like to brew among other things, what they call a quick IPA. And they have zeroed in to specific strains of cake, um, to, uh, that are best in their beer. And I'm going to quote, uh, Ben seller from the article here, um, quote for some of our more Saison like fake beers. I really like the citrus note that Voss adds, uh, Voss being, um, one of the strains of fake, uh, yeast you can get. Um, for IPAs, I mean, we've done some great IPAs with Foss, but there's, but also the more tropical fruit character of Hornendal sometimes really helps kick the popular hop flavors today up a notch. I also find Hommendal maybe adds a teensy bit more perceived acidity, which can help structure juicy IPAs. Hmm. Huh. Um, Meanwhile, Rockwell Beer out of St. Louis loves the strain for their quick sours, Uh, probably not unlike shades that I'm drinking here. Um, They like it for their quick sours and big-ass imperial stouts and barley wines. Um, And I'm going to quote Jonathan Moxie from that article. Um, The main reasons we are using uh, Quake for quick sours, such as Beliners and Gozas, as well as high-gravity beers, such as barley wines and imperial stouts, is for complementary ester production and the quality of the alcohol created to wit you're not gonna get that fucking nail polish uh flavor that i mentioned earlier um (laughs) moxie also goes on to say um our go-to with the quick sours is the lab isolated Voss strain from omega and i'll get into why that's important in a minute uh, because it provides a clean citrus ester that works well with fruit additions. We use the same strain for Jumbo, our 15% ABV Imperial Stout, because it can handle the initial starting gravity and reach our desired attenuation without the production of fusel alcohol. Uh, Damn! Jumbo starts at uh, 1.144 or 33 Play-Doh. Which, again, Fuck. if you don't... I mean, if you, Those numbers don't mean anything to you. All you have to know is uh, the beer... The hydrometer
1: <laughs> just bounces off of it.
0: <laughs> 1.100, if you ferment out, basically means 10% alcohol. Give or take, right? Um, it's a biggin'. But there has also been success with lighter beers as well. The article uh, also references uh, Jeremy Zimmerman, who I promise you is not a love child produced as, re- as a result of this show. <laughs> for one the, for one jeremy spells his name wrong um
1: <laughs> that rebel child of ours
0: um he likes fake in blondes and wheat beers saying that um granger seems to be uh seems to accent the maltiness and imparts an almost candy-like flavor um he uh in the article he said quote i use um Stalgen more with light pales and pilsners and, uh, Geringer with more rich aromatic malts, caramels, rise, Maris Otter. Hmm. He also talks about the temp, um, quote, I pretty much always add fake when the temperature hits between 90 and a hundred degrees Fahrenheit. um, I keep the fermenter wrapped in a blanket or set it on the back porch if it's hot out. I found that once the fermentation gets going, there's less concern about keeping things hot on a small homebrew scale, as the kvake does a lot of work. If I hold my hand over the Krausen, um, I can tell that uh, kvake definitely produces a fair amount of heat compared to other yeasts. Damn! Um, So there's yeah there's a little bit of the experimentation that's going on and you might ask what else is there well it turns out there's quite a lot um as i kind of like hinted at before and i started the uh, uh the the article with uh kavek is not so much a type of yeast but a whole category of yeast and the article points out um the strains refer to the regions where they were collected right um mm-hmm. but not actually basically you know where they the The tradition is they like throw a almost looks like a wooden necklace, like a wooden, um, uh, a wooden square necklace into the uh, into the uh, uh, uh the yeast cake at the bottom. Pull it out, dry it in the sun, and then they throw that uh, that now crusty necklace into their next uh, batch. And that's how they reuse yeast.
1: So it's like a brewer's rosary.
0: Correct. I mean, it's an ancient way of preserving yeast. It's actually where the idea of a magic stick comes from. But, um, but you're also, as you can probably understand, not exactly a precise way of saving yeast. It is Mm -hmm. who knows what you've got actually in there. And, and really uh, most of the, uh, the yeast producers have not done much uh, beyond just take these samples and uh, replicate them and sell them. But, um, you could also, as Omega Labs did when they isolated the Voskovec, uh, or fake, I'm still learning how to, I'm still training myself, <laughs> yeah. um, you can actually isolate the individual you, uh, yeast strains that hasn't really been done yet. Omega Labs has recently released Lutra and um, Escarpens Crispy, which uh, where these uh blends that were uh, specifically selected for their clean fermentation characteristics leading to as they describe optimal Christmas crispness and crushability in beer which is a great is a great uh, thing for those who want to make loggers um, but don't have temperature control like again these are strains that could produce a really nice lager at 90 to degrees if that's what you're dealing with um, yeah um, or line, seventy, year. Or... right. I mean, you don't. Again, the you can produce exceptionally nice loggers, and then actually, um, uh, at our shop, we experimented with a a uh, a, a lager, uh, that turned out
1: phenomenally good. Um, and it was I guess just... I wonder how the vake would do at logger temperatures.
0: I so the temperature ranges I've seen for most strains. Um, bottoms out at like 65 or 60. So okay. I think it would have a similar uh, effect to what most ale yeast would have, which would be really slow. It wouldn't ferment out all the way. Um, it, If you try to do this at longer temperatures, you probably wouldn't come out with a good result.
1: Or I wonder if you hit it for the first day when it started going at 60 and then d- dropped it down to like 40, if what a dude that, that may be a fun experiment. You've
0: got uh home brew equipment. You've got time on your hands. I don't have homebrew equipment anymore. Oh, that's right. You gave yours away. You, 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 you cock knocker. You work, <laughs> you work for a brewery. Tell them to get on it. Has, has your brewery done anything with fake yet?
1: No, I, the only brewery really in the Northwest that I've outside like shades and that, uh, I remember Iron Horse had their Nordic cousin. It was an IPA with Vake in it, which was actually really good. Good lemony flavor came through.
0: Um, Los Grove um, here in town did a a. Oh, did they? They did a an, a. They call it their Norwegian rice beer, but what they but what they, what it feels like what they did was they did like Budweiser but with fake. Um, Ooh! And it's actually phenomenally good it's light crisp with a touch of like lemony flavor in the background
1: but it's not tying up a fermenter for a month
0: correct i mean you or more i mean let's not Mm -hmm. to do a lager you know properly not only are you tying up a uh it for a month in initial fermentation but then you're dropping it to lager and you're keeping it in there for another two to three months after that if you can turn and burn this in 48 hours yeah, um, you don't get like quite. The flavor isn't quite right for like a true German pilsner or a true German märzen. I don't seek fake, um, like uh, eliminating the need for lager yeast at all. But no, you can get you can get a reasonable facsimile thereof. So,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and as they. And maybe as they isolate more strains that have that really that really clean characteristic, who knows? Um, that next, you know, uh, we'll be looking at uh, Budweiser fake. Fuck. <laughs> <Budweiss> cake.
1: Fuck, Budweiser
0: cake. And that will be the and that will be the end of beer as we know it. And all the AI systems will basically tell you that's all you want to drink. That's all you want to drink. <laughs> basically i've laid out how beer is going to die in the next decade so you're welcome tyler <laughs> wow we got dark
1: <laughs> that's where but I... my question jeremy is will that be the true american style
0: um the where uh where uh efficiency and blandness ruins everything uh yes that is i can't think of anything more american than Um,
1: ruining everything for money. (laughs) Well, you may be asking why we keep bringing up that. Uh, I had saw an article from hopculture.com that talked about uh, Milwaukee and the enduring appeal of logger life. At the end of the article, when I finished reading it, it it said something that I was like, oh, this makes sense. It goes, this is a paid sponsored post presented by Captain Pabst or Pabst Brewing Company. Uh, and I was like, ah, this makes sense why they keep bringing up Pabst in this article, but it made me think because typically with craft beer people, IPAs are inherently American. So I wanted to have a fun little debate on here. What's the real American style, the light lager or the IPA?
0: Between the two, um, the, uh, uh, the, the, the true American style, the light lager.
1: So is that the side you would like to argue?
0: No, <laughs> that's, just a, that's just a side I think is the reality. <laughs> kind of kind of, for the reason I just outlined because it's, it's bland flavorless and it ruins everything for money, but I will actually, <laughs> but I will argue, uh, uh, but I will, I mean the, there, but the, the true American spirit I think is, is, is behind IPA as the, as, as not only a style that began in the, uh, in, in the, uh, vicinity of the United States. Um, but, uh, uh, has has born enduring quality uh here
1: okay well i will take the light logger side <laughs> as you have for most of your life <laughs> so what's your well, opening statement sir i was gonna you you have ipas you are the challenger you shall tee off
0: okay um the IPA, um, or India pale ale, India actually refers not only to, uh, India, the country, but the West Indies, West Indies being the, being, uh, uh, the Caribbean, Florida, and, uh, and what we now, what, what we now know as well, those areas. So actually the IPA was, uh, the British was, uh, created uh, shipping to that area, which is in the vicinity of the United States. Now, um, the the IPA was then created as a response to get beer to that area, um, and once uh, IPA died out in England, it survived in America as Ballantine. Ballantine survived to the nineteen seventies until uh, Sierra Nevada um, uh, uh, woke it up. Um, it is a style brought uh, by by tradition, uh, technology, and innovation. And let's face it. Over the top nuttiness. So um, that is my opening statement as to why IPA is the quintessential American beer.
1: Well, the reason why the light lager is is because it takes its root much like America by taking the lager culture of the German citizens that then came over to America, started colonizing it. And were brewers by trade, but they wanted to make something a little different for the American working class man. So they dropped it down, made it a little less flavorful, but just as crisp and easy drinking. So they took the European roots, changed it to something truly American. It was also one of the beers that they tried to argue shouldn't be banned by prohibition it has we have a it is the most widely sold style in america and the article on hop culture actually talks to a couple brewers in milwaukee uh one eagle park brewing which apparently is super popular in trading circles for their hazy ipas and fruited sours but their most popular style still is their lager that they do. Um, so even though they are highly sought after with trades, people still like the lager. People want to show up to your brewery to drink a beer like, that tastes like beer. And the lager is the gateway beer. Is
0: that your, is that your opening statement?
1: Yep. All right, then, sir.
0: Uh, my rebuttal. I would, I, I would argue that... Um, now, despite your, uh, despite your, uh, uh, aggressive, uh, uh, your, your portraying lager as the American beer, I would say, no, lager is the usurper. It is an invader of American beer and it has, it, and now for the first time IPA is, is uh, launching a counter assault and leading, dare I say a revolution to reclaim its rightful place As the American beer.
1: Well, my (laughs) rebuttal to IPA's (laughs) counterattack is let's pull brewers on a hot summer day when they finish mashing out in a brewery that is 10 degrees hotter than outside. What would they rather drink? A triple IPA or a nice, crisp, refreshing lager?
0: And I would then ask the ask those brewers, "What's the manlier thing to drink? What's the more American thing to drink?" Prove, a lager. Prove prove to me that you are that you are a true American and drink this seven percent IPA. Chug it, chug it, and throw
1: it back up.
0: That's as as an American does. Red, white, and blue.
1: There is also that is also the reason why. Budweiser, Pabst, Miller, all of those are lagers and they make up the majority of the pint sold in the United States. It is also the reason why craft lager is one of the fastest growing styles in craft beer. People want, and the article actually taps into this a little, people want to go sit down with some friends, have a couple beers. And you can do that while having a four or five percent lager and have three or four beers, remember the night, and not feel like absolute dog shit the next morning, where if you go do that at a eight percent IPA, you're gonna be feeling a little squirrely after two, and you're gonna feel worse in the morning. So they've actually noticed the trend with people moving to seltzers there's a reason the locale ipas the session ipas got popular was people wanted that lighter alcohol very crisp refreshing flavor um so you keep on uh
0: hitting upon uh points i don't disagree with you keep hitting upon the points of of lagers um uh, uh of its accessibility as far as um as as far as flavor i would say blandness but we'll just you know go light crisp flavor um you uh, you keep on remarking upon its drinkability that you can you can drink several of them um and not feel like shit uh the next day you you remark about its popularity um you know uh, uh but um i will ask you this um what uh is more uh, american um something bland flavorless and frankly uh uh universal or something uh that is uh ill-advised um in excess totally over the top and can and should not exist in any in, in any in, in any uh, real world except for one where we made it exist hop strains have been literally cultivated from nothing just to produce these hot bombs that frankly nobody likes anymore but we still drink them because why? Cuz we're American. If there's okay. anything what is more American than that spirit of genuine excess, Tyler? You keep talking about <laughs> drinkability and popularity. That ain't American. That's not the America I live in. The America I live in is where you wake up on the floor with a cheeto stuck to your eyeball and the taste of uh, uh, hops in your mouth
1: okay well to play off that point do i want to drink 15 of a beer or six of a beer i want to drink 15 because that's the excess we live in and, and also, a real
0: american will drink 15 real ipas imperial ipas
1: <laughs> we're gonna do this i will have 15 Craft longers, you'll have 15 triple IPAs, and let's see if you can have
0: 15 triples. You're mistaking that I ever claimed I was a real American.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Also, you're a brewer, Jeremy. Which style is harder to craft and make a truly excellent one?
0: Well, the answer to your question, of course, is a lager because it is harder to craft a lager um, that it because you have less to hide behind. It's the flavor is very light, very clean, and so any mistake will uh, will become very apparent. And so to that I will say again, what's more American, very delicate, precise, dare I say German craft? or fuck it let's just hammer hops until nobody cares <laughs> what this fucking tastes like which is more american tyler which is more american
1: <laughs> i think more american is striving to be the best correct and ipa is
0: obviously a is obviously a better beer all, all around than your average lager
1: but Either way whether you think a lager or an IPA is the true American beer you have to you, you, by the way, there's gonna be
0: there's, <coughs> there's gonna be no consolidation if you're listening to this at this point in time and you're first of all I'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> I think feel like I have to apologize for a lot of states that both of us have have uh, have uh, stated but I think you have the the listener has got to be the uh, the, the final adjudicator uh, if there are any at this point in time um, Uh. Uh, who won this debate? Uh, did Tyler win with his uh, defense of uh, of uh, light lager, or did I clearly win this uh, uh, debate <laughs> by my defense of uh, the IPA, which is, I mean, obviously a more well reasoned um, <clears throat> uh, argument?
1: Well, maybe Jeremy will throw a poll out on the Facebook page, and by maybe our I... next by our next podcast, whichever
0: has the most votes will be the winner maybe i will tyler maybe i will (laughs) okay uh (laughs) it'll be like one one i'm like did you vote for you yeah i voted for me too okay (laughs) (laughs) Rock maybe oracle maybe oracle will like pop in and just like take pity on one or the other of us i should (laughs) just leave a comment going you idiots
1: (laughs) oh but either way uh both styles are very heavily influenced from our European predecessors and have a very uniquely American taste on it.
0: And one is very corporate. So, I mean, again, what I, I feel like the argument, uh, uh, uh Tyler failed to, uh, uh, to unleash was, uh, it's, it's, it's a giant corporate monolith that sucks money out of the, uh, out of the, uh, uh, pockets of poor people. Again, what's more American than that? <laughs> this is also why I'm probably not a good American. <laughs>
1: I was gonna. I, I felt it was getting a little too nihilist if I went there. So.
0: Well, I am not. And Tyler, do you have anything else to add today? Uh,
1: I got a couple things. Uh, there's a couple YouTubers in Wisconsin that turned beer into snow. Check out our Facebook page to catch the video on that. Bottom, and borderline
0: alcohol abuse, but I allow it.
1: And. Uh, 350 Brewing is releasing a peppermint milkshake IPA called the Shamrock Shake.
0: You're right, that's going on our Instagram page. Uh, and, and it is fucking green. It is. It looks like, it looks like my vomit the day after Team Patty's Day, if I'm going to be completely honest. It's, it's thick. It's dark green. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's unacceptable.
1: And I want to shove it down my gullet. <laughs>
0: as he does with all unacceptable things <laughs> uh, well this has been uh, it's all beer if you want to uh, uh, if you want to tell us by email who won this debate you can get a hold of us at it's all beer at gmail.com um, we have Facebook where I actually will be putting up this poll probably on Twitter too we'll see what happens we'll see how uh, how uh, committed I am to this idea in the morning uh, we're on Twitter at it's all beer one. Uh, Facebook, uh, Instagram. Look up, it's all beer. And uh, once you're done uh, uh, um, confirming that, you know I do have superior debate skills. Um, that the light
1: lager is the true American style.
0: <laughs> once you can, conf- once once you uh, uh, prove Tyler wrong, um, you can also leave us a review. Um, and uh, and <laughs> what do you drink
1: while you mow on, motherfucker? <laughs>
0: again an ipa maybe a session ipa but yeah it's a it's a bullshit 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 and this and this has been it's all beer i'm jeremy jones i'm tyler Zimmerman. i'm gonna drink an ipa the true american beer
1: light longer for life
0: are you pleased with yourself
1: yeah (laughs)